heard the word of menopause, but you're only 39. It couldn't possibly be true. Or maybe never heard of perimenopause. Well, in today's interview, I talk with Emily Barclay about her journey of becoming perimenopausal at 39 and how it led to the founding of an amazing community called the Perimenopause Hub. Join us and learn a whole lot more. Welcome to another episode of The Menopause Project. This is the show where women share their experiences of their peri to postmenopause transition and where experts empower and educate you around different aspects of living well and having a positive mindset. I am your host, Clarissa Christensen. I'm a menopause transition specialist and I am also a speaker and an author. I have a deep passion that women can thrive through this time of life with the right support and knowledge. So join me each week as I interview a different guest on a different aspect of this, probably the biggest transition in a woman's life. Well, hi everyone and welcome to another episode of The Menopause Project. And today I'm really delighted to have somebody I know who is super passionate about perimenopause and about supporting women through this journey and so welcome to the show Emily Barclay. Thank you very much for having me Clarissa. Well I'm so delighted you're here and I mean obviously I know about your work and I'm connected into the hub that you're running for other women around the world but first tell us a little bit about you. How did you come to be in this space? (laughs) Right. <laughs> there's, there's a long answer and a short answer. I'll try and give a medium answer. Um, back in my mid-30s, I'm now 43, I took up triathlon and I started doing some very long distance triathlons and training for silly things. And in about 2015, I was at the fittest I'd ever, ever been. And a couple of months later, I couldn't do anything. I was wiped out. Um, and coupled with that, I was getting. Um, the fly off the handle rage episodes and the unexplained weight gain and periods that made no sense and 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 but by that point I was only I was only 39 and the first doctor I saw said oh this could be to do with the menopause you know and I thought of course it can't I'm only 39 and I still have periods yeah <sighs> Fast forward to last year when I was 42, and after having done quite a lot of research into the fact that there is this whole perimenopause before menopause, and I realised that yes, she was absolutely right, but because she'd used the word menopause, I had envisaged women in their 50s who no longer have periods. And you're not alone, because I can personally relate to that. I knew there was something that went on. And then your periods stopped. But lots of us really don't know about the phases, do we? And you're right, at 39, that doesn't sound possible, does it? I mean, it's so out of whack with somebody who's 50, 51, 52 being described as that. So, yeah, we tend to push it away, don't we? Absolutely. And you tend to think, oh, I must just be eating the wrong things. I must just be lazy. I must just be a horrible person to live with or you know all these other things you 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 internalize it you put it all on you as though you somehow are a failure um when actually 
your hormones are doing all sorts of crazy stuff that you really have very little control over, at least until you understand what's happening. Yeah, and I think that's true. I mean, it's not that you can't control a lot of it, but it's very sudden, isn't it? It can come at you out of like it did for you. I'm sure it does for a lot of the listeners and did for me. It's sort of suddenly it's this this turning and well yeah Yeah. I mean going from literally on the start line of an Ironman triathlon on the 4th of October in 2015 to going to the doctor in January 2016 going what on earth is going on that quick that's only four months and it turned you around like that and did you you know how does that make you, how did that make you feel emotionally, Emily? Because that's a huge step, isn't it? I mean, that... Well, I mean, that's, that's the thing, the emotional side and the, the, the sort of the psychological side. I, I happened to have changed jobs in that time, so I was wondering if that was maybe to blame. And I was sleeping incredibly badly because I found the job stressful. Now, with hindsight, <laughs> I don't think I would have found that job as stressful if my hormones had been more balanced or if I had known what I was dealing with. But as it was, because I was off kilter anyway, the job seemed incredibly stressful to me, which exacerbated everything. So I wasn't sleeping, therefore I was eating too much and all the wrong things. And, you know, the, the, the typical vicious cycle that we, many of us experience. And obviously that then emotionally just sends you down some pretty nasty little paths, if I'm honest. It does. And I think that, that we're often talk about symptoms so this weight gain or feeling hot and bothered but you're right it's often the psychological side of it that is rocking women much more and yet that's the one that's probably only now beginning to get the um, spotlight on it that it should do yeah I mean I, I remember very clearly in about the sort of first year or so of no, now with hindsight knowing I was having symptoms, um, there being one time at this stressful job where one of the people who I worked with said, oh, I've never taken a sick day, blah, blah, blah. And I felt like such um, a complete failure because I had had a couple of sick days because I simply couldn't function. I, I wasn't ill as such, but I was not functioning. So I'd had to have some sick days and that just undermined all my confidence. And then I remember there being another time when um, whilst still attempting to train for stupid triathlons, despite my body really not wanting me to, um, my swim coach, I slept through the alarm once. Now, at this point, I was, what, 40 or 41. I had never in all of my life slept through an alarm. I am not that person. I, you know, I used to do ski seasons where I would have to be up at three o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. I've never slept through an alarm. And I slept through the alarm and I texted him and said, sorry, I missed it. You know, I slept through the alarm. And he again sort of sent back this comment just saying, well, you know, make sure you don't sleep through the alarm on race day. And again, it just made me feel like I was just nothing. Oh my and God. yet, had I understood why I was so tired, why I was needing to sleep, why my sleep patterns were wrong, why my energy was off kilter, I wouldn't, I would have had that protective armour to cope with those comments. Hmm. Or being able to have a conversation to say, hey, actually, I'm going through menopause at the moment, so I'm sorry, but these are some of the things I'm going through. Yeah, just to have had a word for it rather than me just losing the plot would have been, would have been lovely. <laughs> but you have brought up an important point that quite often 
other people's understanding and awareness of perimenopause is is low i mean if women don't understand well employers our partners swim coaches haven't really got a clue have they no and 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 what gets me having now moved into the 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 the, the state of understanding what perimenopause is and working very much in this sphere what gets me now is if you look up the dictionary definition perimenopause is the short period of time in a woman's life before she hits menopause what <laughs> what that you mean somewhere between sort of three and 15 years is a short yeah that period. short that short time yeah. before that one day when you've been period free for a year yeah you know that short time <laughs> wow yeah and so you know that just shows that why we don't have the conversation if there's not a proper definition and we don't talk here i think though in there is, the conversation is happening more now we are still not going to get the support we need exactly and i think also <clears throat> the fact that still in the mainstream the whole thing is still referred to just as menopause i think is still very misleading for the younger women starting to experience changes because exactly as I had, there is still this perception that, well, I'm not having hot flushes and I'm not in my 50s, so it can't be happening to me. No. And that's why I've become so passionate about really highlighting the perimenopause part of it and separating that from the rest. Well, menopause itself, as you said, is that one day, full year after you haven't had a period. After that, you're postmenopause, and that's a whole different space, as, as someone like me who's about to turn 60 knows, which doesn't mean you're symptom-free either, but is a, different, a whole different set of circumstances and challenges. But perimenopause is, needs highlighting and needs conversation. You're right, for women that are there now and for women that are coming up behind us and are going to go into this with really limited understanding of what they're experiencing Absolutely. yeah that's quite scary and that's quite scary actually because if and your doctor was very good i thought that was great that she actually had that word yeah yeah well she she just said the word menopause she didn't say the word perimenopause had she said perimenopause i think i might have been more open to hearing the word but because she said menopause and in my head at this point i still thought well, I'm not in my 50s and I still have periods. It can't be. Yeah. But if she had if she had said, let me talk you through this thing called perimenopause. It happens before the menopause. It can start in your late 30s. I think you fit the bill for that. I think it would have that would have opened a very different set of doors. Yeah. So that that brings out another thing is also getting doctors more on board. And I know there are some great doctors. <laughs> you're, you're just rolling your eyes there. Emily. <laughs> it, it is it is an area, isn't it, that we don't want to criticize GPs and, and they, they do a wonderful job. Women's health care is maybe not top of their agenda and perimenopause so my, isn't always <laughs> there. My my gripe is not with doctors. Mm. I have ultimate respect for doctors. Yeah. My gripe is with the medical school, the yeah. training that doctors go through. Yeah. As an example, and shorten me down if I'm speaking too much, but yeah. so my mum has a rare neurological condition called transverse myelitis, which has 300 diagnoses a year in the UK. Okay. I spoke to a GP the other day who was given more training about transverse myelitis at medical school than she was about menopause. <laughs> 
I'm not surprised. So we'll just let that land. 300 diagnoses a year versus half the population. Yeah, we'll, we'll yeah, let that one sink in, listeners. Yeah, Or as I sometimes say, by 2025, which now is getting very close, one billion women will be in their peri to postmenopause transition, 12% of the world's population. And the level of and medical school is not catching up with that. No, they're not. Not even not even gynecologists. Many of them have specialist training, and a very small number of them do. Um, they have great training in in partum and postpartum. They have fantastic training in women's gynecological issues, but not in 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 this stage. Certainly not, not the whole medicine. picture. No. no, not the whole picture. And so it leaves women a bit high and dry, doesn't it? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, one of the questions I would say to you is obviously there were obstacles and challenges, to, to put it mildly, <laughs> which you've outlined some of the very common symptoms that women had. But were there any positives to this experience? So um, it would have been April 2019, so about a year ago. Um, I went back to a different doctor. I've seen a lot of doctors over the last few years. <laughs> I've been a massive drain on the NHS, which, which annoys me <laughs> as well. I didn't need to have been. Um, and we agreed that it was probably perimenopause. So I came home and Googled, as you do, and found that there was very little and discovered this dictionary definition. And my positive from the whole thing is what happened next, which was starting to set up the perimenopause hub. Mm. Tell us more about Perimenopause Hub and what it is and what you're trying to achieve by setting up this great space. So, obviously, as I've said, I, I got home and I started Googling and I was Googling perimenopause and I kept finding sites that said menopause, blah, blah, blah. oh, perimenopause is this short period before it. And there didn't seem to be any resource aimed at perimenopause. There seemed to be a lot of Facebook groups and websites and all sorts of resources aimed at menopause. And obviously I understand that semantically people are using that word to mean the whole thing. And I get that. But I felt having gone into some of these groups, having read some of these websites that they were aimed not quite at a different generation to me, but definitely that, that decade to 12 years age difference really is quite, it's quite a big difference in stage of life. Yes from being in your early 40s to being in your early 50s, in terms of where you are with career, in terms of where you are with children, with elderly parents, it, it's quite a large decade. And I felt that going into the menopause specific groups that I was too young to be in there and I wasn't yet experiencing the things in life generally that the other ladies were. And so I felt that there needed to be something for those of us starting to experience the um, symptoms while we're still sort of late 30s, early 40s. And our life experience is just simply different. So that was the sort of the community aspect of it. And I thought, well, I'll set up a website. I'll bring together some experts because, you know, it's what you do, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so um, the idea germinated for probably only about a week and suddenly took hold and and went off with a life of its own if I'm perfectly honest and to start with I just approached a few people I knew who were nutritionists 
um, yoga specialists, um, a doctor of sleep medicine, um, various people who I thought, well, all these people, they can help. And, you know, if I get them on board as experts, then I don't need to be an expert in anything. I can just farm people out to whoever's right for what, whatever's going on. And then I started noticing that there were a few gaps in my experts. So I sort of asked in a couple of Facebook groups and filled some of the gaps. And then I had a few other gaps and I thought, well, I don't know where I'm gonna find these people. I'll just ask the universe. And the universe keeps sending them to me. And um, it's been phenomenal. So I'd thought in fairly early on, I thought I must have a GP on there because without a, a proper medical person, the website has no sort of gravitas to it. It doesn't, it, it, it lacks that backbone. Mm. Well, Susie turned up, happens that she lives about an hour down the road. Well, who knew? You know, thanks Twitter. Excellent. Yes. Um, and then after a while I was looking thinking, oh, I've got some experts in the UK. Obviously I'm in the UK and in Canada, oh, New Zealand, Australia, brilliant. Costa Rica. I mean, obviously I was looking for somebody there. Yeah. <laughs> this is disappointing. I need to find somebody in the States. So I put it out to the universe again. And the day after the website went live, I got an article into just my local newspaper, just in sleepy little Norfolk in the east of England, my local newspaper. But it was an online article, so I shared it around all the social media. Yeah. Good evening. Hi, Emily. I'd love to be involved. I'm a menopause specialist in North Carolina. <laughs> Thank you, world. Here yeah. is my first American person. The universe definitely heard you there. Yes. And it's just grown exponentially. It's just mind-blowing when I actually stop to think about it which I don't because it's easier not to it mm. blows my mind and that's wonderful so it started life as a website with experts but it's bigger than that now isn't it yeah the the Facebook community side of it has taken over and that's what's really grown I thought the website would become the, the primary focus and actually that isn't the primary focus it's wonderful and I love having the website and I like being able to direct people to it mm. but actually the, the sense of community that there is in the Facebook group is beyond my wildest dreams yes and I'm you know as a member of your Facebook group I um what I love about the group and what I would love to encourage the listeners on this podcast who are, who are very American actually a lot of my listeners live in the US um Excellent. which is good because they don't have that much help um is that the group is incredibly positive Emily whereas I look at a lot of other Facebook groups and I I feel disappointed and I don't want to diss them but we need positivity we need facts and positivity and, and that's what I really love about this Facebook group that people come in there with positive intent sharing their stories in ways that are not about trashing your partner or, or going on about yourself but actually sharing calmly the fact and then seeing how the group comes around them both experts and 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 other women just to support and give what I think is very clear and good advice, calm advice, which is what women need at this time. And we also stay quite lighthearted in there. I, I, I'm not very good at being a serious grown up. <laughs> <laughs> <That's good. laughs> I, I, I failed adulting school, I think. Um, so we do have silly things like Friday night is always gift night and people put up a gif of how their day is, you know, it's silly but it's fun and 
you know, I've had quite a few people message saying, oh, oh what's Friday going to bring this time? You know, I'm looking forward to gift night. And I think, well, that's that's lovely that we don't spend all the time bogged down in symptoms and feeling rubbish and almost being victims of what's happening to us. Actually, we're bigger than that. We can we can laugh at it. We can we can have a bit of a joke. We can we can, I don't know, share our favourite song from the 80s or, you know, what what's your favourite film or. I don't know who's your celebrity crush it doesn't matter it's stuff that's just we're human we're just people who happen to be brought together by the fact that we're experiencing a whole load of weird stuff because of our hormones but we're still people you know our hormones aren't the defining factor about us no. us being people is the defining factor yes and I, that I really love that that's such an important thing to say because this is all about human to human conversation it isn't a conversation about I am my symptoms because we're not our symptoms, are we? No, we we happen to be living through our symptoms at the moment, yes. but that isn't that isn't who we are. Who we are is so much bigger than that. It's it's what we do for a job. It's who our family is. It's it's who our friends are. It's it's way bigger. And we do seem to have a really lovely community in that respect. That people seem to have stayed very respectful to each other and very supportive of each other, which I. I have worried along the months that since it's been going that that might change as the group grow, uh, growed, grew, grows. <laughs> and grows. Um, <laughs> so, you know, when the group got to about a thousand people, I thought, oh goodness, are we now at the tipping point where it might change, where the, the feeling of it might change? We're now at something like 3,700 people and the, and the feeling still hasn't changed, which I'm incredibly proud and impressed yeah and that's wonderful and and that's a really fast growth if you think about that i mean it just shows the need to have a conversation as you said this is not a group well there may be women who are 15 there who care who cares that's about mindset too but that there's a need to converse about perimenopause uh in a very positive and uplifting way absolutely and I just think the more we can inject a little bit of humour, not not nasty humour, not not putting fun at people, but just keeping life a bit lighthearted. And and certainly, I mean, at the moment, you know, in the middle of <laughs> a fairly strange time globally, if people feel that that's a safe place they can go, that's lovely. Yes, and, and then I think you've hit something on the head there—a safe place, because I think. If you are going through a lot of symptoms, and I know that this month you have anxiety as as a conversation piece, um, COVID-19 doesn't help that, does it? No, No, it it is really interesting. But it's interesting seeing how, again, the members are all pulling together and supporting each other in lockdown rather than, you know, ending up in a sort of bitchy mess, which it could have it could easily have gone that way. And I'm quite sure that it is in other places, people really unleashing. And I don't want it. I don't think that that helps actually at all. I think staying above it and talking positively, calmly with some humour is exactly what we need. It's, it's all we've got, isn't it? <laughs> but it's all we've got right now, for sure. <laughs> oh. One of the questions I have is, what has been one of your biggest personal learnings in going through perimenopause? If there was anything that really stands out for you. That I need to set boundaries. Hmm. That's been my biggie, that actually I, I, I can't be the person who says yes to everything any longer. 
and that that's fine. Um, and that saying no is not, it doesn't make me a bad person. It's just, no, I can't do that. Mm. Mm. Amazing. And I think that is a huge message for a lot of women to take on board because I think we're incredibly good at, at actually saying yes when we would like to say no because that's often for many women their default absolutely it is and and because fatigue was one of my big starting points in terms of symptoms I had to learn to say no I, you know I simply I, I no longer had the energy to keep eking out I apologize if you can hear a weird squeaking noise that's my dog it's all right. I thought it was mine. <laughs> she squeaks uh, like that as well. <laughs> She's behind the curtains here. <laughs> yeah. to be happy. Yeah, it's all right, doggy. You can come and join in the podcast. Oh, no, she but yes, because because fatigue was my first really big symptom. Mm. I had to restructure how I worked. I had to restructure so many things, and actually, that that taught me about setting boundaries in a way that nobody outside could have taught me I had to learn that myself but now if I don't want to do something I simply don't which sounds really selfish and you know there's still the sort of the woman part of me going oh goodness you can't be selfish because you're a woman and you mustn't blah 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 you know but actually no if I don't want to do anything I'm just not going to I mean not not silly not things that you have to do like you know but if I don't know I'm trying to think of a good example if somebody invites you to a party that you really just simply don't fancy, nowadays I will just say no. Whereas previously I would always feel that I should go because they'd they'd been kind enough to invite me, so therefore I should go. Um, but now, if I know it's going to add more stress than it adds fun stuff, then I tend to say no. And I think we can all do that. And I think the other side of that um, is to ask for help more than we do. We're very good at soldiering, soldiering on as women and, and then, then hitting the wall and then there's a bit of a screaming <laughs> mess in the corner. <laughs> Whereas I think you're right, fatigue is huge. I mean, I know that that's about 78% of women will experience fatigue in perimenopause that is, uh, for a large percentage of those women, very debilitating. And saying no and asking for help in a way that's constructive is incredibly important. But also reviewing the things that actually matter. Um, so does it actually matter if the dishes don't get done immediately after dinner? Does that actually matter? You know, and for some people that does really matter. And then therefore that's something that you don't compromise on. But actually, if that's just something that you've always done, but really after dinner, you want to be able to just curl up on the sofa because you're exhausted. Does it really matter if the dishes get done in the morning? No, it's, because it's no one ever stole dirty dishes, you know, <laughs> will, they will be there, irritating as they might be, they are still there. It's like ironing, and it's yeah. like, if you have teenagers, it's like not cleaning their bedroom and saying to them, hey, you know what, I'm not doing this anymore, you do it, you want to live in a pit, you live in a pit. And that's certainly some of the things that I've done, is I stopped going in the room because I it upset me and I used to work really hard and it would look the same, you know, five minutes later. So I just learned to let go. And guess what? My son is very tidy now, very clean. There's no mess. And I let go of all those things because I just didn't have the energy either to, to work that hard and to work all day and come home and do all that cleaning, which a lot of women do. I mean, we're doing 66% more around the home 
compared to our partners, uh, which is a different conversation altogether. But <laughs> you know, but women are doing a lot for others, and we don't have the energy. We just don't. So we have to decide, as you said, Emily, what's important. What's going to you know? If we don't get up, if we don't, maybe we don't prepare meals, but we don't have to prepare all of them. Um, or some things that matter to us we, those are the things we do and the rest of it can either delegate or we or we let go and it is it's it's working out what matters to you and that's that's the really important thing because what matters to me is so completely different to what matters to you know barbara down the road or whatever because you know i couldn't care less if the kitchen has dirty dishes in the sink but i know that really gets some people whereas you know i mind I'm trying to think what i do mind no I think I've let it all go <laughs> <laughs> I mind if it's not no, I mind that my dogs are healthy you know I mind that yeah. my dogs are, are, are well and happy yeah. and that to me is more important than than fretting over small things yeah and anyway you can always uh if you've got the money you can hire a cleaner or buy a robot that vacuums the floor which we've just done because we hate having to with a dog do all the vacuuming but but you know we we do we have to realize that there is time to do the things that are important the things we enjoy doing as well and just pick your battles you know there are some arguments it's worth having and there are some that it's worth just letting go yeah absolutely true and if you were going to tell your younger self about perimenopause what would you what would be the things you would tell women, a younger woman? So my, I've thought about this a lot. I wouldn't want to worry anybody with what could be coming because I think nobody needs to think that at late thirties, they might suddenly be wiped out and, you know, <laughs> a shadow of themselves. <laughs> what I would advise every single younger woman to do and if I had children, I would be advising my daughters to do this right now, is to start tracking your cycle. Because the more you get to know your cycle and your body and how you respond to the different stages and how you feel at different points in the month, the more, A, you can in, you know, use your superpower of the strength of your hormones when they're strong and you know when to hide under a stone and <laughs> not come out. But furthermore, you then know when things are starting to change and you know that it's a hormonal change because you already understand your hormones. So that would be my biggest bit of advice. And that's wonderful because I think a lot of us have very low levels of self-awareness around our cycle. It just and unless you happen to be come pregnant the chance that you pay any attention to your cycle unless you have you know you obviously if you have endometriosis so you have severe pms then then that is a different case but for a lot of us it just kind of happens but you're right having more insight in the years leading up to perimenopause and remembering that there is a percentage of women who can have very early menopause uh then knowing that being aware knowing if something's wrong and it starts to go awry, longer, shorter, heavier, whatever, then we know that something's not as it should be and can actually do something about it. Exactly. And it would, it would cut short the bazillions of doctor visits that you have if you already had that information to go, okay, this is what my cycle has always looked like, and suddenly it doesn't. So this is clearly a hormonal change because this is, this is when it's happening. 
as opposed to going, I don't know, I feel stressed and exhausted and snappy and and I don't know what's going on. You know, um, that that's that 100 percent is my advice to would be my advice to younger me and is my advice to any younger woman. That's wonderful. Emily, thank you so much for coming on and sharing humour good advice and your own story I think lots of listeners will feel inspired where can women get in touch with you and join up to the perimenopause hub if that's what they'd like to do so the website is perimenopausehub.com and on Facebook the group is perimenopause hub and that's where I am that's where I mostly hang out <laughs> that's lovely Emily thank you so much for coming on the menopause project There we go. Thank you so much. Bye. There we are. <laughs> well, thank you, Emily, for an amazing interview. And just talking there, it made me realize how important it is to recognize that perimenopause is a unique journey, whether you start at 25 or you start at 50, and that having community to ask questions and to share positively around this time of life is so vital. Thank you, Emily, for what you do inside the Perimenopause Hub to make that a possibility. And remember, connect with her on Facebook and go to the website. If you're a woman that's going through perimenopause and you need extra help, if you want to not just manage your symptoms, but regain confidence, feel a sense of freedom and vitality, connect with me, Clarissa Christensen, at clarissachristensen.com and let's start a conversation. Next week, I talk to Pam Bailey about her peri to postmenopause transition and how that has led her to being passionate about perimenopause at work and how workplaces can make positive change for women at this time. Until then, go well. McDonald's presents Burger Reviews by Hamburglar. Today's review, the best ever Big Mac burger. Take it away, Hamburglar. Rubble, rubble. He said, there's more special sauce in every bite. Rubble, rubble. He said, rubble, rubble. Rubble, rubble. Rubble, rubble indeed, my friend. Try the juicier Big Mac and get 20% off any purchase of $10 or more. Only on the app. Comparison to prior classic burgers, limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid once per day. Exclude stacks. Must be opted into rewards. The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Earn great pay with outstanding federal benefits and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. Learn more online at cbp.gov careers usbp.